Hey, it's me, Candice. I started something new this year and it's um, over on Substack. I'm writing Wandering and Wondering over there. It's yoga minus the asana. So I hope you'll check it out. I put the link in the notes, the show notes. So uh, check it out and join the community over there. This feels good to my body, not to my brain, that is, not to my ego that is focused on how this is going to like help me get ahead or if I'm doing it quote unquote right. Mm -hmm. But how does this feel in my body to have this weekly practice, monthly practice, daily practice, hourly practice, whatever it is, and it probably changes, you know? to the winter edition of Wandering and Wondering. I'm Candace. Um, I'm glad you're here with me. I hope that your year is off to a great start personally. I spent the beginning of the year in rest and healing mode as I had surgery at the end of 2022. Thankfully, gratefully. Um, Rest, I have found, isn't necessarily an easy thing to do. Real, true rest, I mean, not the, you know, I don't even think that we do rest. Like you work Monday through Friday, the weekend comes, and it's all planned up with with stuff, right? Um, We go on vacations, and it's all planned up with stuff. And so when do we really um, find time to take the rest that we, um, that we need? I don't think it's necessarily an easy thing to do. And I actually uh, find it very challenging. And um, it's, it, well, what I've come to understand about myself is that I've found it very challenging. I used to think I was resting all the time and in actuality, I was not. Um, And the kind of rest I'm talking about is like the, you know, where you really do actually surrender from that mode of always, always being on. Um, True rest from a world that is always on the, the hamster wheel. And to step into that mode, is it, it doesn't feel good. It feels uncomfortable. Um, in fact, I rested even though it was I found that I wasn't resting even though what it was what I needed the most and that when I did take true rest it's what helped me to see that the the grief and the anxiety that was lingering on was because I was fighting what my body needed most which was to stop and to let go and to give in to rest haven't conquered it yet (laughs) but I am definitely much much further along than I I was um, at the end of last year in my conversation today with Sarah Roderman Bean we talk a bit about rest but we also delve into being a creative mystic our relationship to nature and what it is to care for others and how to allow others to care for us. 
And because she is a writer, we also dive into that a bit as well. So stick around and um, I hope that you enjoy this um, episode. And if you have any comments or questions, please do feel free to reach out. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, Candace. Nice to see you um, and talk to you this morning. I'm really excited about our conversation. How have you been? I've been pretty good. I'm um, a little bit stuffy. I've had a cold, but but all of the rest of me is um, a light and filled up. So I am excited. Wonderful. To be it's that time of year, though, right? Where oh. I don't know how it is. Um, in Colorado, it, this was, this is the first week. Well, we actually got snow. What is today? Today is, so we got snow on Monday for the first time. Um, and it's supposed to snow again on Thursday. And I realized I'm not even prepared. Like I thought I forgot about the car aspect. Right. So I have nothing to clean my car off with. Uh -huh. like, oh no, I got to do all that stuff again. Uh -huh. <laughs> So what's the weather like where you are? So I'm in Minnesota. Okay. And, um, it's been an odd fall. We got snow two weeks ago. I mean, not a lot of snow, but like right. a dust snow. Right. That's pretty early for us. Um, and then this weekend it was 80. Yeah. So, you know, which is also very unusual for us. Okay. Um, today it is chillier. It's in the 40s and it's, you know, a typical Minnesota fall. But yeah, um, but yeah there's something about this like back and forth, up and down all yep. over the place that seems to um, take its toll. Yeah. You don't know how to dress. You don't know what to, um, and here, because like, you know, it can be 50, but the sun will be out. And I'm like, well, it's kind of feels like warm enough to put on shorts. Yeah. 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 <laughs> In the sun. <laughs> yeah. I know. Fall is a funny, it's a funny time. And in the Midwest, I feel like, and especially in the upper Midwest, it is like, just incredibly unpredictable. Yeah. So we just go with it, which is part of the reason why I love it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I like the unpredictability of it. But but then I end up with this sort of voice right. sound. And so <laughs> I just have to take take the good with the bad, I guess. Take it all in. Yep. As it comes. Well, I'd like to start us by just um you giving um an introduction um, to our listeners just about who you are. And I always say in this moment, right? Because it changes um, sometimes daily and weekly, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? Um, so who, tell us a little bit about you. Okay. Um, well, I, I like to call myself, um, well, I am a little bit of a Renaissance woman. I think I do a lot of things, but um, I am a writer by like, um, it's like my my soul work, I think. It was like what I was put on the earth to do. Um, but I also, but I think maybe the um the gift that I that I bring to the world aside from that is this um work that I that I've like started calling myself a creative mystic. This idea that um there's this intersection between our inner selves and our self-expression that comes out in a in a creative way. And I like what I love the most to do in the world is to help people find that in whatever way that that, that works out. Um, and so I do a lot of work in um, 
particularly in writing, because that's like my modality, but um, helping people find healing through the writing process. Um, I also um, have a platform called Be Wonderment that is an online platform that really looks to looks at that intersection between um, creativity, um, introspection, and sort of like the sacred practices that can bring that about for each of us. Um, yeah, I think that kind of sums it up. Okay, cool. <laughs> I love the words you use, creative mystic. And I'm wondering if you could speak just a little bit more about that and maybe like the understanding of, um, of really the word mystic, right? Mm. And I don't know if you can talk to like where that word comes from and how it's been used, but like to put those two words together. Um, yeah, it's such an interest. It is actually such an interesting word. It's a word that like I, I was, um, hesitant to own or to like you know because and I spent a lot of time doing the thing that I do which is like um looking up all the different meanings and all the different people like trying to like wrap my head around mm -hmm. what does that word mean right um I grew up um the daughter of two um Catholics okay. um I did not grow up Catholic but my but I, I think anybody who is who has grown up in that situation knows how the how Catholicism kind of permeates whether or not you go to church every Sunday or not okay um and so I think in my mind I had always associated that word with um with a religious like a, mm -hmm. a, a sainthood or a religious mm -hmm. um person right? right um but the more I started to learn about writing and literature and um i started to find that there were all these a lot of there was this really interesting intersection between a lot of like great thinkers philosophers writers and this term mystic um this idea that that there's something beyond ourselves that we can't and aren't necessarily supposed to know okay um and and the like opening to that i think so when I think about like that creative mystic, I think about um, my, sorry, I'm like grasping for the right words okay. here. Um, <laughs> um, I think there's that, when I think about, you know, I talk about the intersection between the introspection or the looking inward and our creative expression, like how that can, um, how the two things can like usher each other forward. Okay. But I think that there's also this third piece that I'm like just in the last couple of years feeling comfortable like coming talking about, which is that 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 is out from us. That is that not is not in here, but that is outside. And whether that's your spirit, you know, your spirituality, your faith, your um, your connection to community, whatever that is, there's like an exterior piece of this, too, that our mm -hmm. interior reflects like they, okay. they reflect each other and so i think that's where the mysticism comes in right like i think about some of the mystics that i like i think of i think of mary oliver as a mystic and she was oh, so yeah. you know she was this beautiful writer but her writing was so deeply ingrained in the natural world yeah right and it i mean there's not I, I, it, it, your reaction is exactly that that anybody that's read mary oliver has that reaction that mm -hmm. like oh, right like she has that yeah um, that that 
impression on us, you know, or I, uh, John O'Donohue was another one who was, you know, this religious scholar and poet, but like was so deeply connected to himself and, and the outer world. Right. So that, that's like where I start to see the connection between, um, or how I, how I've chosen to define right. that word. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, no, and, and, and it's, it's hard to, I think some of those um, words are sometimes hard to explain, one, because like you said, it is outside of us, right? There's this um, piece of when you, you mentioned Mary Oliver and like her writing is like almost otherworldly. It's like, did she, was she, yes, she was very much here, but that connection, and I just don't think know that we see that very often anymore, mm -hmm. you know, because of um, maybe because of all of the technology, the, 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 the ways in which, you know, I'm grateful for the ways in which we communicate, like, you know, Zoom is enabling this conversation right, right now, right? right? Um, but there was a a gift, I think, of how people conversated with one another, like, and especially like people that were maybe writers or artists and, and, and thinkers. And um, maybe that's still happening in different parts, you know, um, but it's hard for people. And I see our younger people too often um, having difficulty creating those kinds of conversations, those deeper conversations. I always, um, I always have a problem, well, a hard time, I'll say a hard time going <laughs> to um, various events because I'm not a surface talker. Oh, 100%. Yes, same. And, and so I don't, it's, it's, it's almost like I just don't know how to do it, <laughs> you know, and, and, and that feels weird too. And it, and, and being in those those um, instances, like in those um, times that I've had to do it, it's um, oftentimes before I was just either drinking or high and, um, <laughs> and that made it a lot easier. Yeah. You know, um, to do that. But otherwise today I have a hard time relating to that just kind of surface level conversation. I want to, I want to talk about you know, the way the sky looks like there are moments that, you know, like I take so many pictures out here of the sky and the stars and the way the, the, the sun drops behind the mountains and the clouds, you need clouds in the sunset. I've discovered you yes. really need clouds in a sunset. It just like makes it so much more amazing, you know? So like the, this idea of creative and mystic together and that the, the, the connection to nature. I think nature's a huge piece of that. I think so too. And I think there's like a, uh, hmm, the word that comes to mind for me is humility. Mm, mm -hmm. You know, this humility in the, in that, in, in that, um, I recognize that when I bring forth into this world as a co-creation, mm. it's not a me, it's a co-creation, right? Whether that's a co-creation with, the natural world, which yeah. like, that's my spiritual spirituality right there. You know, um, if you're, if you're a person who, for whom God is, you know, that's your thing, then maybe it's a co-creation with God. Maybe it's a co-creation with, with other people who have like inspired something in mm -hmm. you. But I think that this thing has happened 
I mean, I think this is over like hundreds of years. I don't think this is a new thing actually, but um, where we want to like make that creation ours, that's mine, not yours, not, you know, and, and then that like ownership goes from agency, which I think is important to have mm-hmm. agency in what we're creating to like being a little, maybe a little bit further on the dysfunctional side, <laughs> you know, and, and, and then not acknowledging the fact that we are all part of an ecosystem. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The ecosystem being like, and just as much, right? Like I was reading not too long ago, um, a book um, from um, an indigenous healer mm-hmm. and, and talking about that we don't call like, um, birds and cats and dogs trees whatever we don't call them it yes i just read about this too oh. <laughs> i just got so excited <laughs> your expression and all thank you um but yeah but that but like you're saying like we're all connected these are still beings right they're energetic beings we are no different than them we all work together and this idea of like you're saying co-creation you know um and i am just a you know also a firm believer in that you know when i go out i speak to mother earth i speak Mm -hmm. to the trees i introduce myself to them call them by name give thanks and honor Mm -hmm. and praise for their presence right And so, I don't know. I just, I love that idea. What were you, you got really excited. So tell me what was coming up for you. (laughs) Um, So I have been reading Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin. Oh my gosh, it's one of my all-time favorites. Oh my God. So I have this like rather odd habit of um, when I get into a book that I like just feel so viscerally, like I love it so much. Mm -hmm. I've had this book, I've been reading this book for like, I don't know, since it came out. Um, and I read just like a chapter at a time. And then sometimes I go back and reread the chapters, but I'm not done with it because I refu- I'm i like trying to stretch it out as long as possible. <laughs> Which my mother is like, why? What if you die tomorrow? Then you won't know the end. Right. Yeah. But I, so I just read um, just in the last like couple of weeks, this chapter where she talks about the idea of human exceptionalism. Okay. Um, and she's is saying exactly what you're saying that like in um, indigenous culture, yeah, we don't refer thing we don't refer to things as it because they are we are that places them below us, right? Right, and and so um, if we're if we're looking at everything else in this ecosystem as like our relation, like our somebody that we are in relationship with, then yeah, they get names, they get he and she, they get. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, affectionate nicknames, they get, you know, all the things that you, um, and she was talking about this in the sense that um, science is um, really grounded in the idea of um, objectivity, like yeah. removing the human, you know, and, and she was making the point that that is like, a, it, it's a rub for her as a biologist, mm-hmm. you know, and I think about this a lot as a writer, because I've been, tr- and as a, you know, I came out of working in nonprofit and, um, with young people 
and we were trained to remove ourselves, like to keep ourselves very, very neutral. Right. And as a writer, like as an interviewer, that's also something that I've been trained. You know, we don't put ourselves in. Right. Um, and I got to, I remember reading that chapter and thinking about subjectivity and objectivity and wondering if it is ever really possible. And is it any good? Like, yeah. is it healthy for us really as humans yeah. to disconnect in that kind of way? You know, I've, yes. we talk about physicians, right? I've been to physicians offices where I haven't, where they, I, I was clearly seen as an object, this person, this, I've got, she, this, you've got this chart, duh, 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 duh. you know, we're going to read through this and this is what we do and how that feels and what kind of healing takes place versus someone who I go in and they like sit down and look at me, take yes. the time to ask me questions, not just about why I'm here, but what's going on for you in your life. Yes. Like, and the type of healing that takes place then, right? Like they could prescribe the same things almost, but I'm going to feel better in my body and feel like I was seen and heard from the one that took the time. 100%. Yes. And that changes that I, I, I have to believe that that changes how a person can heal. Mm -hmm. and, and isn't that true about everything then? Right? Like, I don't how know. How we care for the earth, how we care for our our community. Right. right? Yes. Yes. And, and that we need these, right? Like we need the trees, we need the grasses, we need the winds, we need, you know, yeah. and so why not honor them for the powerful energies that they are and, and what they give to us in this lifetime and that we could not be here without them. Well, and we're the newbies on the, on the block, right? Humans are the new, you know, we have a lot to learn, you know, yes. <laughs> but that, yeah, I do really think. And so I think that idea of that human exceptionalism and that, um, it, it to me is, goes right back to humility, mm. right? Which I think is this, um, and humility in that I don't know everything, nor do I, nor will I ever, nor do I need to, right? you know? Yeah, but I think your your point about healing, you know, I've spent a lot, my my father is really, has been very, very ill for the last year. He has stage four cancer and um, has gotten um, this, got this really mysterious infection um, mm. and that turned out to be a fungal infection, but it took a very long time for them to figure this out. And um, so I spent a lot of time in doctor's offices and in the hospital with him in the last six months, not, well, 10 months really. Um, and it is so interesting to watch and, and he keeps, he makes a joke about it. Like he's, I have a whole baseball team full of specialists, which is true. He, <laughs> you know, he's got like ENTs and infectious disease and oncology, whatever. So it's interesting to watch the ways they each interact mm. with him and his response as a, you know, 70 year old white man right. response to the way that they um, care for him. And I, what I notice is the people that um, sit down next to the bed, mm -hmm. make eye contact, um, and like bring themselves into the work. I remember one doctor saying to him, I was sitting in the room and they were trying, they were debating whether or not to send him to a different hospital. And she said, if you were my dad, if I were, and she points, pointed to me, if I were in her shoes, 
I would want someone else looking at you besides me. Mm. I would want, you know, I, I, um, I am good at what I do, but I am not perfect. Okay. <laughs> and I thought, wow. I remember sitting there with tears in my eyes, like, thank you. Right. Thank you for being so willing to say I'm not. And I don't he know like, it okay. all. I don't, I don't know, know it, all. it all. Yeah, exactly. And I honestly think that the he did end up at a um, big research institution, which is probably, quite honestly, probably saved his life. Wow. You know? um, because she, and I think, you know, it was partly her adv- advocacy for that. Right. With him and with the t- other team of doctors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, so we need that, you know, and um, there's something about... And I feel like I've, this this theme has come up in other conversations that I've had too, just about um, the way our world, well, especially our country is and the competitiveness and in that competitiveness, um, we don't, we get lost in the idea of co-creating anything or the possibility that if I work with this person, it could, we could probably make more progress Mm -hmm. than if I just try to claim it and do it all on my own and take credit, you know, um, I, I, I've seen that even just in, in my small piece of the world, right. And in the places that I've been and the things that I've done and the people that I've worked with and, um, it's hurtful on well, many levels. I think it's also is this has the potential to then um, isolate us. Yes, all, you know, and and then sort of perpetuates this idea that we don't. Um, I can do it all on my own. Therefore, I don't need help. Therefore, I can never ask for help. Therefore, mm. when I actually need help, I don't. I I don't have the foggiest idea of how to how to reach out for it. Right. You know? Yeah, I know. And I also know that I'm like guilty of that in my own way. Like just in my, um, in my life, I'm, and and I'm talking about the asking for help piece, Mm -hmm. not so much necessarily in work, but like in life in general, like, you know, because I, you know, 21 years old, had a baby, went to school, took care of this kid. I'm the only one taking care of this kid. Like I was always the one doing, 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 doing. And so I've seen definitely places in my life where I probably should have asked for help mm-hmm. and just struggled and pushed through, you know, like I can do this. Um, and, and people have said, I've had people say to me, you know, friends, family, like, stop. (laughs) We see who you are. We see your strength. Let us do this for you. And I I remember like the the feeling in my body even Mm -hmm. to accept that Mm -hmm. help was an interesting um, thing. It's almost like um, it felt like a, a... maybe a little bit like shame and weakness and, um, and it, 
it's okay. It's like, it's okay to be like, okay, thank you. And thank you. That's my, that's what I'm working on now. It more than anything is just saying, thank you. When, yeah. when something and somebody offers something or says something, or, you know, that's in a way that's helpful is just thank you. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think it's helpful although I battle against this because I, I, I like everybody else. I don't think that this is like, um, I think we're, this is like endemic in our society of not mm. being able to ask for help. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and so, and I've battled against it just like, you know, everyone else. Um, and I think that it, there's like something about having it reflected back to you. Yeah. You can't avoid. And I like, so my husband and I just got back from a trip out to the Pacific Northwest, which is where I, I lived for quite a while and he lived with me for a bit. Um, and I had been going back and forth on whether or not to make this trip. Like, I don't know why I money, you know, time, whatever, all the things, right? Like, I don't know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And he finally like sat me down and he said, Sarah, you spend so much time taking care of other people, yeah. and especially this year with my dad being ill and, right. you know, supporting my mom, whatever. Um, it's time for you to go somewhere where somebody else can take care of you. And we know, he was like, you and I both know that um, the, the um, women that I was visiting there, two of my closest friends, um, they will take care of you. Mm. They will take care of you, mm -hmm. you know? And I thought, yeah, you're right. Okay. So I went and then I, and I was trying to like figure out what is it that they did that felt like care. Mm -hmm. It's not like they were bringing me breakfast in bed or like, what is you foot rubs? Did they give you no, massages? No, no. But I think that there's like a couple of things. It's like, um, you don't have to make decisions. We're just going to like, yeah, we're going to plan the day for you. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, um, there's no, and it, and it, and the ease with which you can just, um, say yes, no, or maybe, Yeah. you know, uh, but I, it was, it was hard for me to figure out like, well, what is that care? If I were going to say to someone, can you take care of me? What would I tell them? And I'm still not sure, Yeah. but I definitely came home mm -hmm. feeling really, really cared for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's but it, and maybe it's because we're so... I say we, I guess I mean me. Um, <laughs> I'll be in that we with you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're so um, like, don't even know. It, it, we're so, it, we're so divorced from the care, like the allowing people to care for us um, that sometimes it's hard to even figure out what that looks like, right. you know? Right. This feels like, this feels like something I need to f learn a little bit about myself. Yeah. Um, on deeper reflection, I think I need to. <laughs> Peel some layers back and see what's yes. there. Yes. Yeah. On that note, you know, you and I have had like discussions before. Um, also, I was thinking, you know, this is a total sidetrack. Um, how did we meet? Do you remember? Yeah. Well, sort of. I remember um, that my friend Maria. Yes. Okay. Her best friend, uh, Christina, was a student of yours. Okay. And so somehow I started following you on social media. Okay. I couldn't remember. I was like, like this woman is badass. I need to like know her. I, I knew we hadn't met in person, but we've had these, we've gotten on Zoom calls. Yeah. We've had conversations, right? Yeah. I, just, yeah. I just find 
one, I think it's awesome because I'm really glad that I met you. And um, it's just, it's really great. But I was thinking the other day, I'm like, how did Sarah and I exactly meet? I'm not exactly sure how that connection had happened because um, we're not in the same place. But anyways, we have had conversations at different times on like, growth and growing and you're talking about this idea this one idea right now that um of care but what are some other ways or um or maybe right now that you see yourself growing in Mm -hmm. in this life oh this is such a good question this is such a good question because i just so i feel like anybody that's in a helping or healing um modality, I guess. Um, if you're not still growing, you're, you're probably not, if you're, if you're not recognizing where you're still growing, you're probably not in the right field. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I do think that there are lots of folks that maybe think that they've like, okay, I got there. I'm done. (laughs) Um, no, I think that like this big challenge for me right now, um, and, and we spoke a little bit about this before before we hit record, but I um, am really working, this has been a long process, on um, separating my productivity from my worth. Mm. Um, and that is just incredibly difficult <laughs> given our, I think, our, our culture. Right. Um, but allowing myself to like... Um, rest mm-hmm. um and to to not be on that hamster wheel of busyness yeah you know um and it's gonna happen like we're, there are gonna be seasons where we're busier and seasons where we're not right like I don't I, I think to say that I'm just like never gonna be busy again is like I mean <laughs> that's not gonna happen you know right uh, and certainly not in the the culture that we live in but but to also just know that I do have some choice in the matter. Right. Um, and that I don't have to, it is, how do I step away from that glorification of busy? Nice. I like that question. And I, you know, I think about like when I was growing up, if anybody asked, my dad was self-employed. He was a furniture maker. Um, and when anybody would ask him, you know, oh, hi, hi you know, uh, run into you at the grocery store. Hey, how's it been? How you been? Right. Oh, good. Busy. <laughs> it was it's, always the answer. It's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing. And I think that there was, I, and I can imagine um, that, I mean, I don't have to imagine. I feel it too, that, you know, when you're self-employed, there's a certain amount of, um, mm. if you're not busy, you might not be doing it right. Right. You know, there's a little bit of like a, I don't know, justification or something that goes along mm-hmm. with that. But, um, but man, it is toxic to, and I, and I, um, I think some people get energy from that busyness, you know, maybe they're more extroverted. Maybe, maybe that's just the way their rhythms work. Right. But that's not me. I am not that person. I, I wear out easily. I need a lot of rest. I mean, you know, yeah. I was going to ask you, like, what is it that you notice about yourself, right? In these times, um, that you are in, in a state of busyness and then like, 
what happens kind of in that in between where you're thinking about, okay, is this right? Is this what I, does this feel good right now? And then like rest, Mm -hmm. like what's happening for you in your body. Mm -hmm. And I know that you do some work with that too, with, Mm -hmm. um, with the the writing workshops that you do and the wonderment. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you notice, or can you talk about like what's happening for you um, sensationally in your body during those times? Yeah, I, I think there's two things that I notice. One is that I often, let me say it this way. I I definitely identify as an introvert. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm incredibly relational. Okay. Like everything, I, I mean, I think, yeah, everything that, um, about my work, about my, everything, I get really charged up by having close relationships with people. Yep. And like, I think what you're, like you said earlier, like that deeper connection, mm-hmm. not the small talk at the cocktail party, not that, right. but like the deep interpersonal connection. And I often find when I'm in a small group or, or one-on-one with someone that I get this like jolt of energy. Yeah. Like, I'm sure I'll get off our call today and I will feel like, even though I, you know, I sound terrible, I've got a cold or whatever, I will feel like supercharged up and I will buzz, you know? And then kind of like a sugar crash or anything else, I, I just will boom, bottom out. Okay. And so I, I have found for myself that I have to like regulate that. Okay. Or I have to give space for that right? That bottoming out mm-hmm. so that I can come back up and mm-hmm. be back at equilibrium. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, I love the jolt. I, <laughs> I love that feeling of like, all of a sudden, all these ideas are sparking and, um, you know, I'm super inspired or whatever. But um, but I think that I need the the bottom out and then the, to come back up to get to a place where I can actualize any of that. Right. You know, and so if I'm like repeatedly really busy or having those jolts and not having enough of the bottom out, I don't ever get to a place where I can do the actualization, mm-hmm. the creation or the whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I'm still trying to figure that rhythm out. I mean, really. And I think some of it is like, you know, the external world doesn't always operate on your schedule. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes you just you, you do what you can do right um but yeah i have i have found that it's not enough to just say like i need lots of rest it's i also need lots of connection i need it to be in rhythm though Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as you were um just talking two things came to mind one which is personal like because I'm so, um, this is the first time in my life that I have lived in a space and place where one, I have no um, real friendships around in the area. And two, I'm very, I'm pretty far out from like Mm -hmm. city town life. Mm -hmm. And so consequently I've had friends that have come in to visit (laughs) and I know for like, the next day to two days after people leave that I am doing nothing. Yeah. Like I am deplete. 
Ted and 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 people only <laughs> I only allow people to stay three days <laughs> <laughs> because I know myself right and even more so now because there was a time when you know like the the before life mm-hmm. when I was go, go, go all the time. And so I don't think I noticed a lot, but also like what you were just saying about something about being able to have that actualization mm-hmm. is what takes us back to kind of where we started even like that creative mysticism, right? Like yeah. that being able to connect to something outside of ourselves mm-hmm. because yeah. you need quiet, Yes. right? You yeah. need some of that downtime. You need the the stuff that's going to inspire and 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 um and maybe that comes in conversations with other people or being out or whatever it is. But I also really believe that we need some of that downtime so that everything kind of moves into place or I don't even know well, how to metabolize or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I think yes, 100%. So that was just what was coming up for me. Like, as you were, were talking about and this, this idea of, of rhythm and how do we find the rhythm, right? Like I loved your question of how do I step away from the glorification of busy, but also like, how do we find the rhythm so that yeah. we're not caught up too much in either place of right. full on rest or full on busy. Like where, where is it? Like, where does that, the, the, the truest sense of being able to find our creativity or our passions. I had a conversations recently with someone about passion Um and longevity for this life so that we're not burnt out. Well, I, yeah, I think that there's, um, I have come to, to, this is for me and I, I, but I don't think it's unique to me. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time thinking and coaching and talking about creativity and this, like the creative life or whatever. Um, and I have gotten to this place where I just don't believe in anything prescriptive. Mm. I just, and I, I was thinking about this the other day because I was working on a, um, I was talking to someone, I guess, who was talking about the book, The Artist's Way, which is yes. this, like, I mean, yes, everybody knows The Artist's Way, right? Like, right. and it is this beautiful book. It was written like 35 years ago um, as like a reflection of the 12-step program about how to like, li- you know, get more, um, I'm trying to even remember what the, what the like subtitle of the book is. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it's like how to uh, um, dive more deeply into our creative life, right? right? And a few years ago, I was asked to, to lead an artist like group at an um, art center where I was the writer in residence. And mm. so I did. And we ha- I had a pretty large, I mean, a group of like 15 people in That's this group. Big for that. Big group, yeah. Um, and they were all ages. I mean, mostly women. Um, but ranged from probably like late twenties to like 80. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and what came up over and over again from that group was that some of the, there were a couple of tenants to Julia Cameron's artist way. One is, um, writing morning pages every day, three pages, first thing in the morning, handwritten, right. 
the artist date. Um, and I feel like there's a third one, but I can't remember it off there the top. There is, but I can't remember it either. Um, but those two things, interestingly, particularly the morning pages, um, people really, really pushed back on. And my response as a facilitator was to ask them to reflect on why, you know, why is it that this feels hard? Right. Right. Like I tend to have this um, belief for myself that when something, when I'm, whenever I feel resistant to something, there's, there's usually like, there's a nugget in there that I need to get in and mm -hmm. get underneath. Right. But the further we discussed this, the more I was like starting to think like, this prescription just doesn't work for everybody. Right. This prescription doesn't work for the new mom who has to get her kids out the door to go to school and shovel the snow and, you know, mm -hmm. but it might work for her if she did it at noon on her phone. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I got to this place of thinking that, um, you know, what, is there something about this that is actually maybe not that accessible to people or is only accessible to certain people? Right. And so like, how do we like blow that up? Right. And so then um, we spent this t all this time, this group and I um, talking about this and like, well, what, what is the creative habit? Right. And I think that there's a lot of, there's, I mean, bajillion books written about this, right? I mean, you can Google, like, I mean, it's just, a, it, there's a plethora. But one of the things that, like, comes out over and over is this idea of, like, a, a, a sustained habit. Right. Um, and as, when I was in school for writing, the thing that I heard over and over was, like, if you're going to be a successful writer, you have to write every day. every day. And I have since decided that, like, F that. That's not true. It's not true, right? It's it was true for the white men in the 1800s who were who were able to write. Do you know who those people were? They weren't farmers. They weren't the like shop owner. They were the people who had the the like ability Wealth and time. yes, and freedom and time, mm -hmm. right? So we've constructed this whole idea around a certain kind of person. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I remember asking a professor of mine at one point, like, what's your writing habit? And she was like, I don't have one. Nice. <laughs> and I was like, Tell me more. <laughs> um, Cause I tend to be a little bit like, I don't really love rules. So right. I will find a way to like circumvent them. And mm -hmm. she said, you know, if I have a project, if I'm, if I'm working on a novel, she's a novelist. Um, I do write every day and I might write four or five hours a day. And I might do that for months and months at a time. And then I finish that project and I might not write for a year yeah. until I find my next project, you know? And so I got to thinking that like all of this, this creative life business isn't actually about the production, okay, about the feeling that we have every day when we're doing it, right? Um, and when we start to like tease that out, which I think that ultimately Julia Cameron's book is this beautiful supportive system to help people who are somehow ingrained in a creative practice already um, create an outcome. Yeah. Right. But what if you're just a person who wants to just live a creative life? Like, I don't necessarily want to be a novelist. I don't necessarily want to be a screenwriter or right. a dancer. What if I just like want to bring more of this into my world. Well, 
if if I get two chapters in and I feel like it's not for me, quote, you know, air quotes, quotes right. then I'm I'm going to peace out and just assume that I, that I'm not a creative person. And that is the last thing in the world that the world needs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I so I have like this is like my I don't know, my soapbox, I think is how do we just find our own internal rhythm and let go of the outcome of it, right? What do we, how do we find a practice that sustains us? And I think this speaks to what, this going all the way back, right. what you were saying a minute ago about um, there's a certain amount of embodiment in that, right? Like to know this feels good to my body, not to my brain that is not to my ego that is focused on how this is going to like help me get ahead or if I'm doing it quote unquote right. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. But how does this feel in my body to have this weekly practice, monthly practice, daily practice, hourly practice, whatever it is. And it probably changes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I said a lot of words. You did <laughs> say a lot of words. You said a lot of really wonderful words. Um, I don't know. I think about creativity a lot. I'm wondering, like one thing that kind of came to mind as you were talking, I'm like wondering if you have a definition for creativity, because I think that also, um, like when people say creativity or I'm a creative person or whatever it is, you know, we often think of like art or Mm -hmm. music or, you know, um, those kinds of things. And so, for anyone else. And I'm in this right now myself, like, um, of figuring out, I, I do want more creativity in my life. I want to, to embody creativity specifically and trying to figure out what does that look like for mm-hmm. me? This is such, I'm so, so glad you asked this question. So glad. Um, because I, I actually have so I'm working on a book right now that is um, that actually, um, let me back up for a second. So that that artist way group birthed what became a group that um, was dissatisfied with the artist way. It didn't work for them. Well, Sarah, they asked, "What if you? What could you just create your own, like your own uh. week program, and like walk us through it?" And so I did, and it has gone through several iterations and eventually became Bewonderment. Okay. So that is what Bewonderment, that's how Bewonderment came about. Okay. And in the process of that, I also um, got a grant from the state of Minnesota to write a book um, that like, you know, takes all of these tenants and puts it in, um, you know, a, a nice little, <laughs> nice little piece. Right. Um, so I was, so I've been like kind of up to my eyeballs and like, not just, um, writing it, but researching it, right? Mm-hmm. Like I started, I, I wish I could show them to you. I don't actually know where they are, but I have this stack of like, um, I mean like hard science research books about like neuro, the neuroscience of creativity. Okay. Like, I mean, I got into this mm-hmm. big mm-hmm. And what I, what I eventually decided again, because I think the definition can mean a lot of different things from, for a lot of different people. My definition of creativity that is based in that research is making something where there was nothing before. Yeah. Making something. 
basically, right? And that can look like so many things, right? Mm-hmm. And what I learned was that there, there, there are a couple, um, when folks are like really diving into this research, they look at two different kinds of creativity. They look at the creativity that is what I kind of think of as like, like genius creativity, like the Beethoven's and, okay. and you know, um, um, Picasso's, that, that creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's what they call everyday creativity, which okay. is the creativity that we're just um, exhibiting in our daily life. Okay. And that's what I'm more interested in, quite honestly, because right. quite, I mean, there, how, what's the percentage of those genius creatives, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and so when I think about that everyday creativity, though, I, it is, it is literally innate in every single person. Mm-hmm. We have to be creative just to exist in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we create life. We create um, the the systems that we that are required to feed ourselves, to clothe ourselves, to house ourselves, right? Like, I mean, we're caught, we're we're beings that are required to create on just to exist. And um, I think that is where when I say that to people, it often like was like what really huh i mistrust you but (laughs) Um, but then i think when i think about it i think there are two people often mistake creativity for artistry yeah uh and artistry i think is that practice that is the practice of creativity that i am going to study ceramics and i am going to study it i'm going to learn the skills i'm going to perfect those skills i'm going to go from being a novice to an amateur to an expert in that that thing right right? which is a beautiful process and and i i think we could all probably pick one of those things and it would serve our lives really well to work in that way Mm -hmm. um but it's not the same as creativity okay you know it is really different that's i love that differentiation right now you know between artistry which is a practice of something more specific mm-hmm. um and i and i i can see that too when i talk to people as you're as you're talking and you're talking about you know your professor who says i might be writing something and i'm writing every day or if i'm not then i'm not you know like even this practice of like meditation and mindfulness because that for me goes that ebbs and flows right mm-hmm. i know for myself like i choose to live my life mindfully so mm-hmm. i'm i'm doing the things on the daily that are helping me stay connected to a mindful way of living my meditation practice where i actually sit on my mat mm-hmm. will ebb and flow and it, I'm mostly in it, right? When things are happening for me, when I'm kind of hot inside, yeah. right? But because I live my life mindfully all of the time, there's not always a need for that straight up seated practice because I spend moments, many of them, watching the sun rise every day and watching the sunset every day. Mm-hmm. That's meditative to me. It's not yeah. necessarily, um, um, you know, like seated, going to sit down, going to put on my timer kinds of things, but it's still in there. And I think also because I've taken the time 
to, as you say, this practice of doing it for so long that it's there for me. Kind yes. of like a person who would watercolor, you know, I, which yes. I've been trying to do. And I'm like, this sucks. It's <laughs> <laughs> really fucking hard. But, yeah. you know, but then I think of the people that are tell you know, I talk to about meditation and mindfulness and they were like, well, it's really hard. And I was like, yes, it really is. And you're going through something. So it's, it's a hard practice to start and it needs to be, if you're trying to work through something, then we want to work on it daily. Right. But after that, you can kind of come back to it mm-hmm. in and out of it, flow with it as needed because you are more connected yes. to your own body and understanding what your body needs and does not need. And I think I love that so much. And that makes me feel really good about my own meditation practice because it does kind of ebb and flow. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm just thinking of this idea of creativity when I think about myself right now, because I have a corner and in the corner is a guitar and there's oil pastels and there's watercolors and there's journals and all these things over there. Right. And I get them out. Like there's not one that I'm just like, oh, I got to do this, Mm -hmm. right? But when I do any of them, it just makes me feel good inside. Yes. This is, okay. I have two thoughts about this. Um, I have to make sure I can remember them. But one, (laughs) so as my dad was, uh, my dad plays the guitar. My dad's a super creative person. I mean, that was his livelihood, right? Um, Not playing the guitar. That was not his livelihood. But- (laughs) He was a furniture maker. Okay. But in his retirement, he picked um, picked up the guitar, which he had played way back when he was a kid. And he's gotten really good at it. He's quite good at the guitar. Um, well, then he was in the hospital for on and off for like four months, right? And um, really couldn't play at all. Mm-hmm. And then he picked up the guitar again. And I asked him on the phone one day, I said, Dad, how's the, you know, are you playing the guitar? He said, well, I'm trying. And I could tell there was something, there was something in there, mm-hmm. you know. And I said, well, what do you mean you're trying? He was like, well, I just can't, I can't play the same things that I could play before. Mm. And I said, well, how do you feel? Are you enjoying it? Well, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I said, then don't worry about it. You'll come, you'll get back to it. It's like riding a bike. Yeah. You know, like Mm -hmm. if you, if it is making you feel good to, to pluck on that guitar, even if it's for, even if all you can handle is 10 minutes, but it gives you joy. Right. That'll feed the rest, you know? And I think about like, I always think of my mother when I think of living the creative life. She is a super creative person, but she's not a, I would not call her someone who um, is like a expert at any of it, right? right? But I mean, every single day, if you walked in their home, you it is just um, incredible. Like even just like the way that she will like decorate her table right with like candles and flowers and Mm. you know a feather that she found on her walk you know um or like i was writing about this the other day she she used to make these salads that people didn't want to eat because they were so beautiful you know where they would have these like all like apples arranged in these like like flowers and the i mean they were gorgeous they looked like nat like like edible mandalas you Mm -hmm. know this is just like how she lives her life. She did not for any reason. She's this is before Instagram. This is before, she, you know, anybody would like, you know, take a picture of everything we eat. 
yeah, you know, like put that on the gram. No, she was just doing this because she liked to make things pretty. Right. You know, and she sends, um, let me see if I can, this is an example. Um, she makes these collages and sends them to my sister and I on a regular oh, basis. That's you know? beautiful. Yeah, and they're just, it's just stuff that came out of magazines that she's gotten in the mail. And she just is like, this made me think of you. So I put it together for you, you know? <sighs> So this is like when I think of that, like living a creative life, that's what I think of is mm -hmm. that like that like 10 minutes that it took to like pick the bouquet of flowers out of the garden and slap it on the table. You know, like that's living the creative life. Right. That's like being in touch enough. I think this goes back to your mindfulness practice. Like when you have a practice of thinking about how to make something, how to make something a little prettier or I, and I don't even think it has to be pretty because I don't think art and right, prettier right but how to make something that I guess again wasn't there before um and expresses something for you for her it's often beauty right mm -hmm. um that isn't necessarily the case for everyone but um and then just it when when you are living in that way where you're just kind of constantly coming back to that it starts to become innate right you know and I, this is the other thing, this is like really um, a charged statement, but I had this conversation with an artist the other day. Um, uh, I said, you know, I believe that not all artists are creative. And she was like, hmm, let me think about that. And then she was like, no, actually, I think you're right. She was like, if you think about, a, let's say a successful artist who's done this, is painting the same, in the same style over and over again. Right. They're really, they're very skilled. They're very good at their artistry, but are they trying something new? Are they right. you know, like, and not always, right. you know? So I think that it is different and it's important to allow ourselves to recognize the difference. Mm -hmm. mm. I love this. I've just, um, again, that because you, you started out saying that, you know, one calling it everyday creativity um and then also saying that we all have that within us no matter what it what it is right and um it can look different it doesn't have to be a particular thing i think coming back to that book uh, julia cameron's book on the artist's way i'm wondering if it's I'm wondering if it's something that if you're trying to bring that more into your life, mm -hmm. right, then it might be a good idea to mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do something kind of on the daily, you know, whether it's the, the, the morning pages. When I first read that book, that um, the date piece was uh -huh. really... I don't know. I like, I had never thought to do that. And before that, I think that I always like had to do things with someone. Like if I yeah. was going to go someplace, I had to involve someone else in that experience. And when I remember reading that and it was like giving me permission to go do whatever by myself. And I think about how it feels for me now sometimes I, I do like people, um, 
but to go someplace with with people versus going someplace by myself and yeah. how that feels in my body often and what I walk away with oftentimes, especially if it's involving art or nature, you know, or I can't, I really don't like to hike with other people because mm-hmm. people talk and <laughs> <laughs> this is making yes. me sound so bad, but like, you know, I don't race through hikes. No. I, I am a, one of those true to my, like my blog and everything. I wa- wonder and I wander, you know, mm-hmm. and I stop and look at the dirt and the rocks and, and the little flowers or whatever it is like, and, and you, you can't always do that with people. So the invitation mm-hmm. that was put forth in that book, um, I, I, I still love today and probably even more so today. Um, but yeah, I was just thinking that that piece of might be good for someone who doesn't know where to begin in some yeah. regards to, you know, I think that like, that book has been a lot. I mean, it was a lot, it was a game changer for me when I read it. I think it's, and I've seen it be a game changer for other people. I think it is, I do think it's this book that allows us to give us, ourselves permission to pursue a certain, right. You know? Um, and it might maybe is like helpful for someone who already has an idea in their head of like this, this is kind of what I want to yeah. go. Yeah. Right. Um, cause she talks a lot about like the synchronicities of like, if you put out there what it is that you, if you, if you heal your inner creative mm-hmm. and you put out there what it is that you want to create, you'll be amazed at what will come back to you. And yeah. I think that's true, you know, yeah. but if you're a person who's like, I didn't, I don't even like, I'm not even there yet. Right. <laughs> you know, it's going to be scary. It's going to be scary. It probably won't work. Those morning pages are no joke. And, um, and I was like, like you, I, like you said, I was a person that at some points in my life, morning pages work. And at other points, it just doesn't. I keep a journal like just around because some mornings, some weeks I'm up and I'm drinking my tea and journaling. And then other times it's in the afternoon and then other times it's in the evening, you know, it just, it's, it just happens when it happens. And that goes back to like prescriptive, right? right? That you were talking about and that there's just no necessarily, um, way that it has to be but can we allow ourselves the room to let it be what it's going to be if you've decided that this is something that you want to give energy to you know we all know that if we're trying to learn something the more that we do it the better that it is right? right like absolutely but if we're just like you said and you talking about your mom I just love it just it one it made me feel normal um, if, if normal's a thing, but I'm, I'm like one of those people, like I find feathers and I mm-hmm. come back and I place it in a little spot, you know, or I get a rock from a hike and I come back or, yeah. you know, I stopped on the road one day, they were these wildflowers growing and I had passed them three times. And finally, one time I got out of my car and I was like, I'm taking these damn wildflowers. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, yes. Cut them out and brought them home, you know? And that is like my life. It's like, yes, yes this, Just, these things that somehow they trigger something for me. Yeah. Connects me somehow to the, to the world. I'm the same. I have um, shoe boxes of feathers that I just, <laughs> 
I know I sound like a crazy person, no, but I keep don't. thinking that at some point I'm going to make something with them, but I just end up with them in vases. Can I show you something I made real quick? The rest yes. of the world won't be able to see this, but. Um... Yes. And it's got like, I added shells Little and shells. crystals to it and all the, the different feathers from birds oh, I that love I found on the ground. And so I use it when I like sage. Yes. Um, yes. So anyways, that was my little piece of. So creative right there. It came out of, I was like, I want to make a, and I was like, oh, wait, you have all these feathers that you found on the ground. Yeah. You know, I did. So the other day I did something similar. I was, it's got, gotten cold here. So I was cleaning out my gardens and I have all the, like my sage and my lavender are still mm. going. Right. So, nice. I, but I was like, oh, I don't know how much longer that's going to work. So I brought, I cut it, cut it. And then I, there were these just beautiful bundles of these amazing smelling herbs. And so I bundled them together and then I started putting dried flowers in and then I started putting feathers in. Uh-huh. And I thought, I don't know what, I mean, I don't know what the purpose is. I don't know what, I mean, I don't care. It's pretty. It's it pretty. smells amazing. I bet. I can't you imagine. Know? Yeah. And it's I can't gonna be in my kitchen all winter long while I don't have, when I'm looking at it, the white, white yeah. snow, you know? Nice. I love that. The touchstone. Yeah. I often, when I had my garden before, I would, sometimes the bundles would hang too long. I would be hanging them to dry, to use them as dried herbs, but they looked so pretty up there that sometimes yeah. I just left them. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. Same. Um, so one other thing that I was hoping to discuss with you was just this idea of honoring the light and dark inside ourselves mm. and each other. And that's just kind of like, we were kind of speaking about that just now, even in this conversation of just about the idea of allowing ourselves grace, you mm -hmm. know, and with the ebb and flow of, of practices and, and, and life. And so what is it to you when you think about honoring those mm -hmm. sides of ourselves and others? I think that's a big piece too. I never know which is harder. Sometimes I think it's harder with ourselves, and then sometimes I think it's harder with others. But maybe it doesn't I kind of think that I don't know. For myself, I think that whatever the things in myself that I'm not tolerant of, I'm also not very tolerant of in other people. Mm. You know, like I, when I, the more grace I give myself, the more grace I'm able to give other people. Um, but I think that there. Yeah. So, you know, we talked, we talked about this a little bit, this idea of like the uh, uh, living authentically, right? Mm -hmm. And I think if you're living authentically, you're, you're grounded in or, or aware of the fact that you, we are just a mixture of the light and the dark all the time. And, and because one cannot exist without the other, you know, like we cannot have light without dark. We cannot, you know, you can't, they, right. they are just in, integrally linked. And I, I think the dark gets a bad rap, actually. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I think that um, that stuff that that we hide or that it gets like shoved aside is often the like the seed of some really beautiful stuff. Yeah. I mean, that could be a lot of things, you know, but. Um, and if we just allow, and if we allow ourselves 
to authentically be in those places that aren't as perky and bright and cheerful, um, whether it's grief or sadness or shame or lust or greed or whatever it is, right? I mean, they're just human emotions. Um, I, mean, I often tell my like students and clients that there is no bad emotion. Yep. You know, it's just, it, it's the behavior that comes after the emotion that we have to watch, right? right. It is. I was just talking to um, some kindergartners and this is to, this goes to show you though, that it's taught right early on. And that's why so many adults hold this idea now of what it, good emotions, bad emotions, because I asked them the question is, um, are there good emotions and bad emotions? And they were like, yes. And I asked them to tell me, you know, like, well, what's a good emotion? And, you know, and they're like, it, when you're happy and what's a bad emotion when you're angry. And, and then I pr proceed to say, you want to hear something really interesting? And, like, what? <laughs> and I was like, there are no good and there are no bad emotions. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, you know, we're just, these emotions are here to inform us, to talk to us, yes. to tell us something. And then I said, you can, you can be happy and you can also be angry, but if you're angry, does it give you the right to right. yell at your friends, kick at your friends, you know, like, no, it does not. You know, you can feel what anger feels like, but we don't get to take that out on other people. Well, and anger can be this like really galvanizing force. For sure that. You know, I mean, I, if we all just weren't angry, like nothing would change. Yep, exactly. <laughs> we need change. There's so many things that we all have, quite frankly, to be angry about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, um, I'm I'm often surprised when people aren't angry about certain things, you know. Right. Um, now, again, how you just choose to act on that anger right. is... You know, this is like also, I think about this with regards to love, right? Which is like, I guess an emotion, love's an emotion, love is a feeling. It's I don't know. It's an action to me. Well, and this is exactly, this is, I always think of bell hooks and I think about her definition of love and how she talks about love as being something that holds people accountable, mm -hmm. right? That it doesn't mean that if I'm holding you accountable for something, it doesn't mean that I don't love you. It means that I do love, love you. you. Yep. You know, and that love love's not passive, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but it, but yeah. So I think, how did we get here? I think <laughs> I had to say, wait, what was? I feel like there was a, a point that I was going to make, but I don't remember what it is. Well, we're talking about feelings and emotions. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think that like that authenticity. There's like a an allowance, if you're really living authentically, which I think I should, I, I, I think most of the people in my sphere, I don't think that it's most people. I think it's most people in my sphere are, are aiming to live authentically. Right. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. the goal. Um, if we're doing that, then there is no place for this toxic positivity. There is no place for, um, you know, bypassing those harder emotions right, just right. isn't you know um it becomes about inquiry what what is yeah, why absolutely. am i feeling this way mm -hmm. and what do i then need to do with it whether that's to take action anger set a boundary um voice my opinion in some way you know um i think people are scared of grief 
I think thrilled oh to her. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know? So how do, you know, how do I honor the fact that I'm sad and maybe it's not a sadness that's going to go away tomorrow, but maybe it's just like kind of a sadness that I have for a while and, right. and it's, you know, well, and, and that we, again, sometimes I believe that like people just don't know what they feel, period. Mm -hmm. like, I feel like we gloss over feelings. I don't think that a lot of people may even know what jo true joy feels like because joy is a kind of, um, or happiness, like, because they're, they're, they're momentary and they're quick. And yes. so we kind of gloss over them. So we don't even take the time to really understand what they feel like. And then these harder emotions while they like come up in our body all of a sudden and are very present, we don't want to give our attention to that because we don't want to feel that. And so consequently, we just end up as, as, as not understanding or knowing how anything feels. And we're just going to live in this kind of midway space yeah. of not going either or, you know, because I can't, I, and I'm not going to talk about it. And we don't talk about it with other people. We don't no. talk about what grief feels like. And the fact that, yes, you may feel really great this month. And then all of a sudden it's going to rear its head again, you know, for like two days or, and then go away again because it's not linear, you know, and, right. and none of the emotions and feelings are, you know, mm -hmm. but can we just allow ourselves to feel whatever is happening for us in the moment? And I don't know that, I don't know that people know how to connect to that, you know, and, yeah. and what that can feel like, you know, that well, and the um, fact that we might be able to hold multiple feelings at the same yes, time, yes. like I might be happy or joyful in this moment and also grieving. <laughs> like, exactly. exactly. We are, you know, it's like that Walt Whitman, Whitman quote that I come back to over and over. It's like my mantra. We, I contain multitudes. Yes. Right? Like we're multidimensional. Like, yes. Yeah. Um, that is, it's just, it's not binary. Yep. Not, it's not simple and it's not linear. No, no. <laughs> and it's all okay. I just, you know, we, it's like, we're supposed to be this and I'm like, we're not supposed to be anything. You know, we just need to be here. We need to be living. We need to, um, just experience. I, I believe that we're just here to experience life and hopefully not plateau and to grow and to learn <laughs> from these experiences. You know, it's like, and, and like before we got, we started before we hit record and was talking to you about the space and time that I'm in, in my life, you know, and there are many moments that I'm experiencing so much joy and tears are rolling down my face. Mm -hmm. And then there's moments that I'm walking literally from my bedroom to the kitchen and the space is not that big bedroom to the kitchen. And I start crying mm -hmm. and it's sadness mm -hmm. that's coming up, you know, and in each of those instances, I just pause and allow it to be there. And I allow myself to cry, I allow myself to feel the joy if that's what's coming up when I, and how, and, and, and now this goes back to practices, right? Yes. Like this yeah. is a conscientious choice that I am making to allow myself to feel. Well, and if I can bring it back to the creative life, the question that I would ask someone is what do you, what, what does that sadness sound like? Mm. What color do you see? Mm. Like, um, what does it move like? you know, or, or that joy or that anger. And could you 
could you represent it in some way? Right. Could you get it out of your body in some way? I love way? that. You know, and I, even as a writer, will tell you that I often, when when I'm talking with someone about something like where it's a visceral feeling, I steer away from writing because writing is pretty left, wait, is it left brained? It is left brained. Yeah, it's analytical, right? Mm -hmm. It's the most analytical of the art forms. Um, and so putting language to something is often like, we're not there yet, you know? right. but we're in the moment of having that feeling. But like, could you, could you put something else to it? And what does that, what happens when it then becomes not of you, but right. outside of you? I love that. Yeah. I just took some notes, people. I hope you are too. <laughs> um, and these are the practices that, again, this goes back to like the accessibility, right? Like you can do that in three minutes, yeah. five minutes, ten minutes, or you can spend two hours making a painting mm -hmm. of that feeling that you were having. Go to town, more power to you. But if you have, you know, just your highlighters on your desk and you're at work and you're having a moment of rage, right. you know what? Like that's good too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I do think I do that with oftentimes with the dance. Mm. and I'll just move my body in that way. I found a, the sun was coming through the window the other day and it was hitting the wall a certain particular way. And so I was like shadow dancing Ooh, on yeah. the wall, you know, but it yeah. was like, there was definitely some stuff that was feeling like it was coming up for me. And I just found myself moving with the sun behind me and watching it on the wall. And um, so- There's something about rhythm. Yeah. You know, and I was thinking about that. Like I, I often find myself like tapping, drumming, doing, mm -hmm. I don't have a drum, but, and I know that there's some <clears throat> ind indigenous culture where that, that, that drumming is like, you know, is evocative of, Oh yeah. Brings out the deeper stuff. Right. But oh, there's, yeah. it makes me think of like using your body as an instrument, you yeah, know, definitely the drumming and sweat lodges. Yes. Um, and journeying when you're doing that dream journeying, they yeah. use drums to get you in, in, um, that. So this has been really wonderful. I've, I've wrote a lot of notes, um, that I'm going to use for myself. Um, Yay. Good. So thank you for that. I had one more question for you. Cause I always ask people to tell me like five songs and what yeah, song I can't even remember what I told you. Well, one song that you wrote down was um, by Janelle Monet, Queen. Oh, yeah. What, what like, pulls you in about that song? I, God, I love that song. So there was, like, a, a summer or a, probably more than a summer, maybe a year, where I just listened to that on repeat in my car. Um, <laughs> it's so good. It just, you know, what it what is it? I mean, the word again, I'm a words person, so I tend to usually go with whatever the, the message is, the the the, the language, right? But mm -hmm. that isn't it in that song, although it is good. Mm -hmm. It is the rhythm, it is the way that it makes me physically feel. Mm -hmm. You know, like it is the the staccato, the like, I don't know. It yeah. it, it makes me feel powerful. It makes me feel badass, you know, because she's that powerful she badass. Is. She you is. know. But Talk it, about authentic living, right? Like, yes. Yes. And and then yeah, then you layer in like what the actual lyrics are. Yes. You know, and I could just I can listen to it over and over. Yeah. You know? Same. Yeah. It's a favorite of mine. I know I had it on 
many a, a playlist um, at the, the studio and also just in my car too. I was like you, like, yeah. let's, okay, it's over. Play it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that the other day, actually, when I was thinking about our, our conversation today, I was like, I don't have the slightest idea what I said. My songs were, they probably changed day to day, but right. um, yeah, that's for funny. For sure, for sure. All right. Well, thank you so very much for um, joining me and having sitting down and having a conversation with me. Um, I really do appreciate this. I um, this creativity piece. Um, and I don't know if it's like age or what, you know, like the different stages of life that we get to. And like, mm -hmm. this is just really, I think I've had creativity throughout my life. Mm -hmm. but the way I'm connecting to it is mm -hmm. differently now at this stage of the game. Um, and I think, I think it's also, I think I'm noticing people are really hungry for it right now. Mm. Hungry to get in touch with this piece of themselves. And I, I, I tend to think there's something even outside of ourselves that yeah. I, whatever that is, you know, but the need to nourish this part of ourselves. Right. Right. But this has been wonderful. I could talk to you for hours, Candace. I know, right? Well, we'll just have to set another, just a catch up. A part two. We'll have yeah. a part two. Yeah, yeah for, sure. for sure. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with uh, Sarah. Um, if you're interested in finding out more information about what Sarah does, um, I've listed a few things down in the show notes. Um, but I specifically want to mention that she is going to be launching a grief writing circle online this spring. And I just know for myself, um, having dealt with, still dealing with, grief that it's not linear right you think that maybe it's gone away and then it pops back up and so if this is something that you are working through um, I'd encourage you to to check it out um, and and maybe this is something that will will help you further along in your grief journey um, so thanks so much again and that's it i hope to see you next time well i guess we can't really see each other i hope you'll be here next time right until then be well be kind be love peace Hey, one more thing before you go. If you enjoyed today's episodes or any of the other episodes that you've listened to on this podcast, I'd invite you to please rate and review the podcast as well. Send it to a friend who might enjoy it as well. Just one more note, I'm over over on Substack now, so check out the writing over there. It's Wandering and Wondering Yoga Minus the Asana building a small community over there where we can talk and discuss things in another kind of way. All right. Take care.